When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. Women's Basketball Edition of College Sports Now. Rest of the season, we won't be coming to you on Fridays. We'll be coming in at some point in the midweek. I'm Rob Joyce, joined by some royalty. You read her, you read her Substacks. You listen to her on the Unplugged podcast on her Hoop Stats. You read her in the Washington Post. This week, you've seen her on Bleacher Report, on the Action Network. At this rate, you're going to turn on ABC for the national title game. And <laughs> Ryan Rucco and Rebecca Lobo and Megan Gower. Megan, how are you? I'm good. Busy, as you've mentioned, but good. (laughs) All that. And she has a day job, folks. She doesn't sleep. Thanks for making this take, uh, making the time for us uh, normal folks. And uh, you hear that? I don't know if you can hear it. That's a bracket. Paper bracket printed, filled out. We're talking NCAA tournament. Do you do a paper? How do you do your bracket? Paper online only? I usually just do it online, mostly because I don't own a printer and I haven't been to the office in a while to print anything. So <laughs> fair. The uh, the CBS one that I print for the men, that's in color. ESPN is black and white. I have no issues with with either one. But yeah, we give the work printer. Uh, the, we give that toner a, a workout here on, a, on Monday morning. <laughs> we're going to talk about everything in terms of the bracket. We're going to go region by region. Megan, we're going to start, though, by highlighting some of your successes, our resident bracketologist. For the most part, you're pretty much on the money for the top 16 seeds. You got a couple. You flipped Stanford and Iowa. I think you flipped Texas and Duke, who were, mind you, they're all in the same region. But you got 15 of the 16 top four seeds is the whiteboard in hibernation for the summer. Yeah, it just gets retired now. We don't want to see it until next year. So it is it is done. (laughs) We'll go region by region, but I kind of want to get some of your your general overviews, particularly 
We have the first couple of play-in games over the next 48 hours. The last four teams in, Purdue, St. John's, Illinois, Mississippi State, Columbia lost in the semi, so they're the first team out. Kansas, maybe a surprise, the second team out. Oregon, I think you and I are both a little surprised by the Ducks' absence, despite their uh, kind of mediocre overall record, but the, the metrics are really good, and then UMass. So what are your thoughts on those last couple of teams that made it in? those first couple of teams that are in the WNIT. Yeah, Columbia, I would have had in, and that was, I think, the biggest surprise to me. I thought they had a good enough resume for an at-large, but the team I would have taken out somehow ended up as attempted, and that West Virginia is not in that play-in round, and I was kind of surprised by that, that they were pretty squarely in the field. I think the other thing that was the biggest surprise to me was Illinois being in a play-in game. I did not expect that at all. I thought they were more, would have been where like West Virginia is at a solid 10 firmly in the field. Yeah. And, and I thought it was a good showing for the big East. St. John's was right on that line, but Marquette, we talked about them. Maybe they'd be in a play-in game. They were a nine seed yeah. there. That might be punished by being a nine seed on the region. They're in. We'll get to that. But, and then Kansas, I didn't think that they were necessarily on the bubble, I mean, that was a brutal loss to TCU, but one loss doesn't make a whole resume. I was a little surprised the Jayhawks, we haven't really talked about much in the last couple of months, that they didn't make it. Yeah, I feel like they started the season well and kind of struggled down the stretch enough. I wonder if that kind of just did them in. And then, like you said, that TCU loss, a bad loss. If you're already sitting on the bubble, that's not the kind of loss you want to be adding to your resume in late March or early March. <laughs> Yeah, so those are uh, the teams out. No offense. We're not going to talk at all about the WNIT, so those teams, hopefully they go on runs. But we're going to talk about brackets. Basics in picking your bracket. We'll start with this. Just a couple of, you know, maybe you're you're new to this. Maybe you're just looking for a little advice. If you're filling out a women's bracket, Megan, you know, feel free to chime in as you will. For starters, the parity in the game is growing. We're going to talk a lot about could high seeds lose second rounds, sweet 16, before the final four? That being said, no team seeded fourth or worst has ever won a national title. No team seeded third has won a national title since the 90s, and that team was called Tennessee. So does that really count? So your one seeds overwhelmingly win the title. If you pick a two seed, we'll allow it. Other side of things, no 14 seed, no 15 seed has ever won a game. The 16 seed, Harvard, Famously beat that beating up Stanford team, the only 16 to beat a one. So if you're going to pick a Cinderella, maybe go a little higher in the bracket, your 11s, your 12s, maybe your 13s. And on average, speaking of that, an 11 seed and a 12 seed, on average, they win a game every single year. So, Megan, as the parity grows, we're going to have someone to make a run. Just a matter of you have to pick the right person who. Yeah, exactly. I think we're going to see plenty of upsets. But like you said, I still think even with the parody and the chaos, like who eventually wins the title is probably sitting on the one or two line. Yes. So let's start right away. It's uh, the, the stunning news of, of the field. South Carolina is the number one overall seed. They will play. They will not have to get on a plane until Dallas. They played the SEC tournament in Greenville. They will play the first two rounds in Columbia. And then assuming they win those first two games, they will head back to Greenville for the uh, the Sweet 16 and, if possible, the Elite Eight. So, obviously, South Carolina, it's theirs to lose. We can talk about a, a path to them losing if you want. I don't really see it in at least until the Final Four. But do you see anyone, one through, I'll say one through 16, 
all due respect to Norfolk State, I don't <laughs> see it that way. Uh, but do you see anyone beating South Carolina before Dallas? I don't think it will happen. I think if someone does it, it'll be UCLA or Maryland. UCLA had that close game with them earlier in the year. This is a much better Maryland team than the Maryland team that played South Carolina early in their year. Those teams both have a little bit of familiarity with the Gamecocks on their side, but I, I still think South Carolina is going to the Final Four. I agree with that. We will pick all, all of the uh, regions here, and I don't think either of us are spoiling anything. I have South Carolina in the Final Four. Um, sounds like you do as well. I do want to talk about the 8-9 matchup. It may not matter as they'll run into the Gamecocks, but we mentioned before Marquette. We thought they were a bubble team. It turns out they were firmly in the field comfortably as a 9 seed. I bet Megan Duffy, after seeing who they would play if they beat USF, wishes maybe they were a 10 seed or, heck, I think she might take the play-in game um, and, and just avoid South Carolina altogether. But a good showing for the Golden Eagles, but a tough matchup. I really like these 8-9 matchups. And the first one, Marquette and South Florida, I think. Two teams that kind of fly under the radar, but uh, that should be a very entertaining 8-9 matchup. Yeah, I agree. I think this should be a really good one. South Florida has been really good all season. They almost had that upset of Ohio State back when Ohio State was on their the good half of their season. They're always a team that comes out of the American and just makes some noise. And I think they're really solid once again this year. And then Marquette, obviously, we've talked about their win over UConn, a really good defensive squad. So this 8-9 matchup, as all of them really are, should be fun. And if you're looking for players that you maybe don't watch a whole lot, USF has a 6'4 transfer from Memphis. She's been in Tampa a couple of years. Dulce Fanka Mengiadu. Hopefully I said that right. The AAC player of the year. She averages 16 and a half points, averages 12 and a half rebounds a game. If you go to her hoop stats and the player rankings by win share, she is a top or she was a top 10 player nationally for a vast majority of the year. She's fallen outside the top 10, but still a very good player. So that's an entertaining first round matchup. Moving further down. Kudos to UCLA, who you picked to win the Pac-12 tournament. They came up a game short against Washington State. But good on UCLA to as they, they kind of sneak in. There was a lot of, you know, that 14 to 20-some-odd crowd. It seemed no one wanted to host. Bruins went and took it. Yeah, this is the one that I missed, which I'm kicking myself for because I was like, I'm a bit of a UCLA fan, so I was worried I was being too favorable if I put them in. But, <laughs> yeah, good for them that they get to host and get to be out in LA for the first two rounds. And I don't, I don't think much of that, that first round, but the second round, if they get Oklahoma, it could be an interesting game. Oklahoma, I think is the wild card of this top half because their offense can be so prolific. Their defense, like they're a more extreme Iowa almost in that their defense is somehow worse than the Hawkeyes. But if they go out and, you know, make 16 threes on you, that's that's I, I have no idea what to make on the flip side of that though you know there's the good if they make four threes like I thought long and hard about Portland's I couldn't couldn't pull the trigger the pilots they don't score enough I don't think but Oklahoma they're a team that pff, I have them losing in the second round but if you told me they made the sweet 16 or if you told me they lost to Portland's I'd say yeah that makes sense 
<laughs> yeah, I feel like that's going to be a recurring theme throughout this bracket. There's not a lot of teams that I trust. And I, think I see a lot of teams where I'm like, they could lose really early or they could make a great run. And you just, it's hard to tell. Yeah, Pilots, uh, if you're looking for an upset, they won the auto bid way. The, they beat Gonzaga in the WCC final. They haven't hit 70 points in regulation since against a team over 500 since early January. So that's not a great recipe if you're going to have to score against Oklahoma. The ability to do it will be there because Oklahoma's defense isn't good, but I still don't think they could win a shootout. Move to the bottom half of that bracket. Well, I think Oklahoma's a wild card. I don't know what to make of Notre Dame. No one does, I don't think. And I therefore, I is, is Creighton the favorite in South Bend just by default? Because literally, we don't know who is going to stroll out there for the Irish. And by who, I mean Olivia Miles. Yeah, I think if you assume that Olivia Miles is out, which is, I don't want to assume anything about a player's health, but at the same time, she just, it didn't look great when she was walking around the ACC tournament and the injury itself didn't look great. I think Creighton probably is the favorite and kind of funny because they're in the pretty much exact same region as last year with South Carolina as the one, a really good shot at a sweet 16. Of course, Olivia is going to be more difficult with Maryland hanging around down there, but positioned well to make another kind of run here. Yeah, they could get a tricky matchup. I think Illinois will beat Mississippi State yes. in the play-in game in South Bend. That'd be a, I'm not going to say unfair, but that's an Illinois team that you said probably isn't an 11 seed in terms yeah. of talent. Um, so that could be a tough first-round matchup. But Notre Dame, I, I think they beat Southern Utah regardless. The last time we saw the Irish, they scored 38 points against a Louisville yeah. team that, they're they're fine defensively. They're not great. I just I can't put you Notre can't, Dame. I can't yeah. I can't put Notre Dame <laughs> beyond the second round. If I'm proven wrong, and that means Olivia Miles comes back, and or even if she doesn't, and the Irish use that as some sort of motivation, great, happy to be proven wrong. I can't I can't do it for now. Yeah. Um. I mean, you're you're not going to beat Creighton scoring forty points. That's that's not the type of game that Creighton plays. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> And the selection show, you know, every team had a camera, even, you know, even the ESPN crew, they found Olivia on the screen and the leg was like just hidden enough. And she was in sweats and they laughed about it that, you know, oh, uh, did she, she wearing a boot or anything. Like it's, it's the, it's probably the storyline, I think in the Greenville regional outside of South Carolina is probably going to cruise at least through probably the second round, probably the sweet 16, and then uh, we'll talk about the very last two teams, Arizona, West Virginia, that game. I'm not, I'm going to be honest. That game doesn't do much for me, um, but Maryland, what do you make of the college park regional? I think Maryland has a shot at the elite eight. And the question is they'll get a second shot probably at South Carolina. Can they do it? And this time diamond Miller will be healthy. They could. I, I'm not going to pick them to do it. I mean, like everyone could, right? But yeah, I don't think they, I think they've got a great shot at Billy Day and making it there beyond that. So so I know you talked not. about this <laughs> with, I think you, you talked about it yesterday in your podcast with, uh, with Calvin Wetzel. You might've written about it. I don't know. You're again, you're in a lot of places. How, I don't know how to phrase this. How do you see if South Carolina were to lose, how do you see it happening? I think a team has to go out and hit a lot of threes. 
that's one thing. You've got to kind of like South Carolina is going to dominate the paint. So you've got to get an advantage somewhere. And I think the easiest way to do that is on the perimeter. South Carolina is not a good three-point shooting team. If they have one weakness, that is it. So, I mean, Maryland, a team that can go out and hit threes. We've seen it, that blowout win over Iowa. Granted, that's a very different type of game, but they hit a ton of threes in that game. So they're capable of doing that. And Diamond Miller has to show out. And she didn't play in their earlier season matchup, so we don't really know what to expect. She did have a great game against South Carolina, if you go back two years when she was back. Or, yeah, two years when she, they played in, like, the regular season and she was at Maryland. She played really well against them. So she has history with that team. She can play well against Leah Boston in South Carolina. But I think a lot of things have to go right for Maryland and a few things need to go wrong for South Carolina for it to happen. I think something that goes under the radar with South Carolina, the talk is so overwhelming about their size down low and the, you know, the ability to grab all their offensive rebounds and control the paint. Their three-point defense is one of the best nationally. It's the best in power five. Mm -hmm. So not only are they able to shut you down down low, I think it's an extension of that. The guards can be so in your face, and Bree Beal is such a good on-ball defender. They can chase you around the three-point line and say, drive around us if you want, and go go shoot a lap against Aaliyah Boston and see how that turns out for you. So South Carolina shuts you down. You know, they It's hard to make 10 threes against them because they just don't let it happen. Right. And then it's hard to be even remotely close in the paint because they don't let it happen. Yeah. That's that's yeah. South Carolina. Uh, so I have South Carolina over Maryland in the elite eight. Same. Yep. Same. Cool. On to timeout. Can we name these regions better? Yeah. Greenville it's one, so Greenville two, <laughs> Seattle three, Seattle four. We got it. We got to do something better than this guys. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, especially Green when you start writing about it, it's like the three seed and Greenville three, and then you're, you're trying to use other rankings too. It's it's just there's too many numbers and it's a disaster. <laughs> if you're gonna do the dual, just the two regions, you can come up with a fun name. Even A and B, yeah, would be easier. <laughs> All right, Greenville, Greenville B. This is my this is my protest. Greenville B. Indiana is the one seed. That doesn't surprise anyone that they are the number two overall seed. Another very intri intriguing 8-9 matchup, Oklahoma State in Miami. One of the games that I kind of went back and forth more than others. Can either one of, I said last month, I think a one seed loses in the second round. Now that I have the bracket in my hand, I feel less confident about that hot take. This could be one of them, I think, where Indiana needs to be on alert in the round of 32. This is not, I, I do have two where I think the, the team, the one seed needs to be on alert, but this is not one of them. And it's obviously not South Carolina. So you can infer one, we'll get to that. But that's a tease, folks. <laughs> um, I like Miami. And I think when their offense is on, they can be really good. But I still just think that Indiana has a pretty solid advantage over both of these teams. Probably fair. The Canes, I think they have a better defense, but they also haven't allowed fewer than 68 points in three weeks. You're going to need to do better than that against Indiana, which brings us to the Philadelphia region. Villanova uh, did stay and they were in the top 16 the whole, whole way. Good for the Wildcats. But I want to talk about Florida Gulf Coast and Washington State, a common misnomer that people have in picking brackets. They see conference tournament success and they think it carries over to the NCAA tournament. 
especially in the women's game or the power five conferences outside of the big 12, they have an entire, they have 10 days off between your championship game and the start of the tournament. That just, that, that's not necessarily, that's a misnomer. It does, doesn't necessarily happen. In fact, you know, I went back and looked the last five years minus 2020 because you know, COVID 20 winners, for the power five conferences, you are as likely to go to the final four as you are to lose in the sweet 16 or earlier, which leads me to Washington state. You won the PAC 12 tournament. That don't impress me much because you're losing to Florida Gulf coast. <laughs> I love the Shania reference, yes. um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of agree. And it looks, this like looks to me almost exactly like if you look back to last year's tournament, I think it was in the, the third region, but it was a Kentucky team that got really hot, beat South Carolina in the sec tournament, got matched with Princeton, a double digit seed. In the first round, lost to Princeton. Princeton, obviously, a good mid-major team, but no surprise. And I think this has that written all over it, especially because Florida Gulf Coast, they get the 12 seed again. They're, they're not a 12-seed caliber team. They're a better team than that to add to it. So it just kind of makes for the perfect situation for an upset. The Eagles are 32-3. and three. They Their net is 36. Washington State is 30 for comparison. They make 12 threes a game. They shoot nearly 40% from deep. They play defense. Again, all this with a caveat of the schedule they play. Their losses, Stanford, fair. Duke, fair. Overtime to Liberty, who's the number two team in the conference. You're right. This is probably a 10 seed, maybe a nine seed. That's seeded 12th. And in fact, the, the odds makers who know more about this than we do have Florida Gulf Coast favored in this game by, I think, three and a half points. So Florida Gulf Coast, I have beating Washington State. The Cougs are a great story. That's a tough matchup. That is a cross-country matchup for Washington State at an early-ish time. I think it's I think it's 11.30 Pacific, so yeah, 2.30. Yeah. So it's early-ish, um, which I don't think plays a huge factor, but that cross-country flight against a team that can light it up from three, that can play enough defense, that I think they'll pull the upset. And then that leads us to a team that I know you like, you've liked all year, Villanova, can they make a run? And I'm not talking win one or two games. That that potential matchup with Indiana in the Sweet 16, can they do it? I think they can. I like the draw that Villanova got in this bracket because I know that Indiana's defense is pretty good, but it's not like a, a stifling defensive team. And I think for Villanova, they needed to get more favorable draw on the defensive end and teams that I didn't think had a great shot at guarding Magni Seagrass to make a deep run. And I think they're kind of in that position right now. I don't really know who on Indiana is really going to be able to guard Magni Seagrass. And of course you can say the same thing for Indiana about who on Villanova is going to really be able to guard Mackenzie Holmes. But I think Maddie Seagrass is a little bit more of a high level scorer, three level scorer. We've seen her drop 50. We've seen her drop 40. Things have to go right for Nova to win that game, but there's a, a world where it definitely happens. <laughs> Are you calling it? I'm putting them in my final four. I've done that on like three podcasts now. And I'm like, they're going to probably flame out against like Florida Gulf Coast or something. And I'm going to look dumb, but <laughs> I keep doing it. <laughs> Are you are you a one bracket person? You fill out one bracket and that's it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't want to you know, offend you if, if you didn't, but that is, if you're filling out, you fill out one bracket. That's another rule that we miss. I don't want to hear, oh, I had Norfolk State in my chaos bracket. And then if they pull off the upset of all upsets, I don't want to hear about it because it was in one of your seven brackets. That doesn't count. You get yeah. one bracket. I do, have a, 
I should say I do make two, but those like second one is like a joke, and it's just like the if like I could just have exactly what I wanted to happen happen. And, yeah. Okay, so that's not that's using all right. I'll I'll allow that. <laughs> like my wife fills out one bracket. She doesn't know anything about anything. She'll ask me where you know like Jacksonville State isn't in Florida, and she'll say, "Oh, that's stupid." So she'll pick against it, that kind of thing. Um, so we're gonna do that later tonight, and I don't. I don't, I'm interested in the results. Maybe I'll post them. Uh, I have more upsets in the bottom half. I'm not impressed by Michigan who falls to a six seed. They've been meh for most of the year. I know they're getting Layla Filia back. She missed all of February. She came back for the big 10 tournament. UNLV. They're ranked in, or they were ranked in the AP top 25. I think they still are. They're an 11 seed. They're 31 and two. They have a go-to player in Desi Ray Young, who mentioned before with South Florida, Desiree Young is the seventh best player nationally by win shares per her hoop stats ranking. So they have someone who can take over a game. They have a bad loss to Pacific. They got blown out by Oklahoma State. The one I feel least confident about of the upsets that I have in Greenville 2, sorry, Greenville B, I forgot about my protest. Um, but I think UNLV can pull off the upset in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I actually have them in the Sweet 16 and the accumulation of my hate of LSU for this season. <laughs> All right. Well then let, let, let's talk about it. LSU falls. They're not even the number one three. So I guess they could have been, but they, they couldn't have been put in the South Carolina uh, Greenville yeah. one, the South Carolina one, <laughs> Greenville one, whatever. They couldn't have been put in that one. So they go to Greenville two. They would potentially get Michigan or UNLV. I thought long and hard. I put LSU in the sweet 16 forgive me, I thought long and hard about LSU and Utah. Maybe the longest game that I, I sat there and researched and looked up. You're not going to like me. I have LSU in the Elite Eight. I can see it happening because I'm not really a Utah believer. So that's that's why. And I think LSU is better at the things that you need to win in March and that Utah does not rebound the ball well. They do not play good defense and – I think everyone, no one's surprised to hear this in the way I feel about Iowa, but just like, I don't feel like teams that don't rebound and don't play defense make it far when it comes to March. That's a tease. Uh, I will have more on that once we go through talking about all four of the uh, the regions. Yeah, rebounding's a big difference here. The Utes, four losses. They had a bad three-point percentage and negative rebound margin. They had one game this year where they out-rebounded an opponent above 500 by more than six. They out-rebounded Washington by seven. That's not the end-all be-all, but if you're going to lose the rebounding battle to LSU, who's like plus 17 on the glass, who has Angel Reese, who by herself averages 16 rebounds a game, you better make 12 or 13 threes like they did against Stanford. And opponents this year, they don't shoot the three great against LSU. I know their schedule is what it is, but kind of like South Carolina, the Tigers control it inside and they can slow you down around the perimeter. So I have LSU in the Elite Eight more so because of the draw than I do... And the belief in LSU, if that makes sense. Yeah, then, I think. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I think they're set up well to make a run if they don't let like a team like UNLV upset them in the second round. Which apparently is gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. It's gonna happen. But <laughs> and then I do have I have the 10, 11, and 12 seeds all advancing in the Greenville two region because again I don't like NC State. I haven't liked them all year. And I like Princeton. So I have the Tigers pulling the upset in the 7-10 matchup uh, in Salt Lake City. And, and any, Am I wrong on that? 
No, I agree. I, I think NC State has kind of been a bit overrated all year. They haven't really found much success. They've really struggled in the ACC. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Princeton come out of that. And we don't really know the health of, uh, of yes. Diamond Johnson. She missed that the too. ACC tournament with the purpose of getting her healthy for this weekend. So we'll see how, you know, if, if there's rust at all, if she's 100%, if she's 90%. Offensively, they've only hit 76 times since the new year. Princeton has pretty good defense and they can turn you over. So I have a I have three double digit C's advancing in Greenville two. My elite eight is Indiana over LSU. What you got? Got uh Villanova over Utah. All right. So that's the Greenville side of it. If you're going to Greenville, folks. Don't expect to use the internet there. Don't need to go into detail, but that's all I'll say. So we go across the country to Seattle three where Virginia tech. We thought they might sneak in as a one seed because of everyone else. And their, I don't want to say issues, but because of their lack of a clear cut resume, Virginia tech is the number three overall seed. What do you think? And UConn's the two in this, this region. What do you think overall of some of the seeding here? Cause I know you had Tennessee as a host. I don't think the Lady Vols were deserving. North Carolina's six seed. I think that surprised a lot of people. So this one, uh, I think, I mean, all these games, for the most part, are enticing. What are your thoughts on Seattle three as a whole? Yeah, I agree. I thought North Carolina should have been a five at a minimum. So I'm surprised to see them on the six line. I did think Tennessee was going to sneak into the host there. I thought that their strength of schedule was probably going to win out for them. They played the toughest schedule in the country and a lot of those losses were back in November so I'm not really that surprised that they're there overall it feels like a kind of rough draw for Virginia Tech as the third one because you get UConn and I don't think I think most people Virginia Tech is not the favorite to come out of this region sure so let's I think you're jumping the gun a bit here last week we had Alexa (laughs) Philippou ESPN on South Dakota State was her team that she thought might go on a South Dakota, don't confuse the two, or a Creighton-type run from a year ago. To do that, they'd have to do something that hasn't happened in a long time, beat a one seed in the round of 32. There's a recipe there. Yeah, this was one of my, I said I had two one seeds that are on upset alert in the second round, and this is one of them. South Dakota State, really good team. I don't think they've lost a game since... December? It's it's been a while since I lost a game. On it. <laughs> South Dakota State women's basketball schedule. They have won 21 in a row. So, yes, they have not lost since. To some team named South Carolina on December 15th, they <laughs> lost by 18, 62-44. That's, that's an acceptable loss in, in Sioux yeah. Falls. The other losses, Montana State, that was in November. They lost to Washington State two days before that in November, and they lost in the Bahamas by seven to UCLA, then came back, beat Rutgers and beat Louisville the next two days. Also beat Mississippi State and lost to Creighton. So those are all pretty acceptable losses for a Jackrabbits team that they, again, calling for a one seed to lose so early is going against a lot of historical precedent, but it could happen. Now, mind you, South uh, USC is the eighth seed there. Are we just kind of jumping the gun a little bit? Because the Trojans, I mean, obviously they're probably going to be favored in that one. 
Yeah, I mean, if they are favored, I would take that bet. I think South Dakota State is a pretty significantly better team than USC in this matchup. All right, there it is. Are you calling for the upset? I don't know that I'm putting the upset in my bracket, but I think it's a team that's on alert. I feel, still think Virginia Tech is going to win it, but it's a it's one that I'm circling as like it could happen there. All right. So that's the top four teams in Blacksburg moving down. They would get the winner of the Knoxville Regional. I really like, I really wish Stephanie Suarez was healthy because I think this Iowa State team could be final four good. What did you make of their run to the Big 12? I know Texas was beat up in the final, but a low scoring affair. I think Iowa State ultimately comes out of the Knoxville Regional despite that injury because I really like the Cyclones team. Yeah, they look really good right now, and the big part of that is they're 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 pretty hot from three. They shot 40% from deep in the Big 12 tournament. That's kind of why they were able to win. And they had a gauntlet of a run through the Big 12 tournament, too. It wasn't like they got an easy first round. It was Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas. So they had to beat what you would probably consider the three other best teams in the Big 12 to get there. Um, so they look really good right now. I always get a little worried about teams that kind of live and die by the three, like Iowa State, because it depends so much on on staying hot and being able to shoot well. But they look good. I, I also think Tennessee looks kind of good right now, too. So I think that's if we get that as a second-round matchup, that's going to be an interesting one. We don't have to talk about it in-depth now, but big news for Lady Vols fans. Rakia Jackson, projected lottery pick. She's coming back for a fifth year. Number two scorer in the SEC, uber-athletic. Jordan Horston hasn't said she's coming back so i assume she's going to go to the draft but lady vols they're slowly but surely i know it hasn't happened as fast as fans want it or expect it slowly but surely i think climbing back up like this this is a step to host they got a decent win against lsu they're gonna want more i know they think you know championship final four is the expectation but I think they're slowly but surely getting there especially with jackson coming back i agree i think they're on the rise and then specifically in that matchup i think jackson and horston are going to be a lot for iowa state to handle defensively they're a lot for anyone to handle defensively they're kind of difficult players to guard and that they can play out on the perimeter some also in the lane they're big wings and i think that that deal could be tough for iowa state talked about last week about how Horston just super athletic for someone who's 6'2". Jackson, she's very long, long limbs and causes trouble. She's not a great three-point shooter, but when she drives, it's just you think you might be able to block her shot and then you're two inches off because she's just so long. So that's the top half of the bracket in Seattle 3. Bottom half of the bracket, the Columbus Regional. Again, another one. I didn't know what to make of it. Ohio State's the 3. Okay, James Madison, who wins the Sun Belt. James Madison is a very good mid-major program. They make it every year, pretty much, even in the old CAA days. Uh, and then North Carolina, the surprise sixth seed, will get the winner of Purdue in St. John's. I think it'll go chalk, but a North Carolina-Ohio State round of 32 matchup is very, very interesting, mostly because I don't know what to make of either of these teams. Me neither. That's that's the problem. Both of them have struggled a lot down the stretch. I mean, Ohio State, they started out 19-0. Now we're 6-7 and in the last, last stretch of their schedule. They got J.C. Sheldon back in kind of the end there. Had a decent, minus the blowout loss at Iowa in the final, but a, a decent Big Ten tournament. 
I still just don't really believe in this Buckeyes team, though. I mean, they could be North Carolina, but in terms of, like, making a deep run, just the defense beyond the press is not there. I asked someone with, not in the North Carolina program, but right around it, to kind of explain to me what is going on with this North Carolina team. It basically was summed down to the injuries didn't help now that they're fully healthy. They just haven't been able to keep up in shootouts against elite competition. Ohio State can score a lot. Deja Kelly can't, you know, single-handedly keep North Carolina in it. If if a game gets near 70, I think that's trouble for the Tar Heels. Because, I mean, recently, I mean, heck, the two games against Duke that were just offensive to anyone who watched it. (laughs) Where they actually won a game scoring 45 points. Lost the game a couple of days later, scoring 40. Put up 68 on Clemson in the second round of the ACC tournament. Eh, didn't hit 60 against Virginia Tech. Lost in the buzzer beater. Didn't hit 60 in regulation against NC State. Lost in overtime. Didn't hit 70 against Syracuse team that didn't make the tournament. Didn't hit. They scored 55 against Louisville. Just, I don't think they can score enough. So I have Ohio State in the Sweet 16 against... UConn, who I think I think UConn Baylor could be a, a more fun. I think people are kind of glossing over and just putting the Huskies at least into the Elite Eight. That that second round matchup, I it gives me a little pause. I don't think it's enough to give me a pause, but Baylor does, I think, look a little bit better down the stretch than they have earlier in the season. So they're probably a little bit better than a, a seventh seed going into that that matchup. The way UConn's playing right now at least in the big east tournament i still wouldn't be worried especially because they're going to be in stores on a monday night kids are going to be just back from spring break i think the environment is probably going to be similar to what it was in stores last year which was impressive but i do think that could be a better game than people expect it to be i still have uconn into the sweet 16 you look at some of the other three seeds i mean notre dame we talked about them they're the wild card duke LSU, I think Ohio State might be the worst matchup for the Huskies because I know AZ Fudd is back. The turnovers have been a problem all year. If you can break the press, you can score fairly easily on Ohio State. Can UConn break the press without turning it over 22 times? And if Ohio State makes 10-11 threes, I, I, I think UConn still wins that game but I don't think it's a guarantee if if those stretches where even with AZ FUD, those four or five, six minute stretches where they, they look like they've never played basketball before. Yeah, the turnover situation gives me a little pause in that matchup because like you said, Ohio State is going to thrive in that press. But I think that they're a little bit better prepared in having AZ FUD back. Now you've got two ball handers, handlers. You don't just have one and you can mule. So that will help. The thing that makes me think that UConn will probably still be fine is that Ohio State's post-defense leaves plenty to be desired. And even if you turn it over 18 times the rest of the time so you get it up the court, Aliyah Edwards is going to be able to impose her will in the lane. I'll agree with that. So UConn and Virginia Tech is my Elite Eight. If I mentioned Ohio State might be the three seed they want to see least, Virginia Tech is probably the one seed they want to see most in Seattle we can break down this game if it were to come to fruition more next week but if UConn were to play Virginia Tech give me the breakdown on that one 
Yeah, I mean, it comes down to uh, trying to stop Kitley in the lane. That's a good matchup for Leah Edwards, I think. And then trying to contain the three-point shooting in mostly Georgia Moore. And they've got Nika Mule. So I think you've got two really good matchups there and kind of the head-to-head. Um, I think it'll be an interesting one, but I think UConn, just the way that they play, probably favors them in that matchup. Like, I don't honestly like the, the Ohio State game could be more difficult for them, what, just style compare wise. What is your on the record prediction for Seattle three? It's UConn. Same. If I'm wrong and UConn doesn't make its first Final Four since the mid 2000s, fine. If you pick against UConn and you're wrong, it's kind of like picking against Alabama football in a big game. You know, if you pick against them and they lose, fine. But if you think someone's going to pull the upset, and then UConn goes and wins running away, that's kind of shame on me. So until proven otherwise, with the new-look Huskies, I'll have them in the Final Four. So that leaves one region to go, Seattle 4, I think. I want to start at the bottom this time. You and I don't like Iowa relative to everyone else. I think... I think they have not a cakewalk, but if they don't make a final four, like this path is straightforward as can be. Yeah. This region is a whole so interesting to me because like, I don't trust a single team in this region to do anything. So it just kind of screams chaos. But yeah, I think in that regard, Iowa has about as easy as the path as they could have hoped for to make a final four, because there's just not a lot of teams that I trust to make a run in this group. They'd get Florida State or Georgia in the round of 32. Georgia, remember that, that UConn-UCF game. <laughs> game last year? That was yeah. ugly, and it was unwatchable. That's what Georgia will try to do. I think that could be fun. If it's Florida State, that's just mini-Iowa where they're going to try to score a billion points, and yeah. if you're going to get a track meet, there's no better team in the country than Iowa in a track meet. Um, so I think Florida State would be the dream matchup for the Hawkeyes. Um, I still think they'd beat Georgia, just because I don't think Georgia can score enough. But then, if they were to get Duke, Duke sure as heck ain't going to score enough. No. <laughs> if they were to see Texas in the Elite Eight, I don't know what the, I don't know who's going to play for Texas right now. So I don't yeah. think they're going to get to the Elite Eight. Do you really trust Stanford? I know it's the big name. I know they have the, the big names of the players with Brink and Jones and Tara, but... Like... I don't trust that. You're right. I don't trust any of these teams. That's that's the theme of this. (laughs) So I do have Iowa in the Elite Eight because I think another underseeded team, Middle Tennessee, I think, I don't think uh, cakewalk is a strong word. I think they're going to cruise into the Sweet 16. They're going to beat Colorado, who's fine, and Duke will not score enough against Middle Tennessee. Yeah, is of top seeds in this region that I trust the least is probably Duke because as good as their defense is, you do have to be able to score and they just can't. So I do think that Middle Tennessee is a team that's a little underrated at 11 and very easily could make a sweet 16. Middle Tennessee, 28th in the net, torched Louisville in December. They had a bad three days in February. They lost to UTEP and UTSA consecutively and they haven't lost since. Uh, they allow just 56 points a game. That's not great for Duke. They score nearly 20 points a game just off turnovers. They have four options. They have a couple of leading scorers uh, who average 16 a game. Heck, their best player 
Uh, Ksenia Malashka. Hope I said that right. She comes off the bench and scores 16 a game. So I, I have the Blue Raiders into the Sweet 16, where ultimately they would be downed by Iowa. Top half of the bracket. We can talk Louisville, Texas, if you want. First of all, can Louisville... Louisville needs to get past Drake first. And I don't, I don't know what the heck to make of the Cardinals. Yeah. I, they like, they made that run in the ACC, but at the same time, like you had to go through Notre Dame team that scored 38 points. So I don't know how impressive getting to the championship game really was there. They look better. I'll give them that. They're better than they were at the beginning of the season, but still not a team that I trust in Drake, a team that's really hot right now. So that, that matchup gets very interesting. I haven't decided yet if I'm picking against them in that one, but it's, it could be on your kind of first run upsets list. If you're looking for an upset, I didn't pick the upset, but since January 1st, Bulldogs in wins shoot 40% from deep In losses. They shoot 19%. That includes games where they went one out of 20 and two out of 22 from beyond the arc. So if Drake makes shots, I think they win. If they don't make threes, they probably lose. And I think it's as stupid simple as that. So ultimately, I did go chalk. I have Louisville and Texas winning. I picked Texas into the Sweet 16. I don't feel good about it. If they're healthy, I feel better about it. I just, that's two good coaches, Jeff Walls and Vic Schaefer. I just trust Vic a little bit more right now. And then that leads us to the top of the bracket where Stanford, we talk about Stanford moving on. They need to get past a round of 32 game against either Ole Miss or Gonzaga. Yeah, this one is an interesting one. It's my second potential first round upset, assuming that, or sorry, second round upset, assuming that Stanford doesn't kind of turn it around. Because I think there's a world where Stanford in this two weeks has somehow kind of righted the ship. Haley Jones and Cameron Frank look really good. Some other pieces are clicking a little bit more and they like cruise to a final four in this region. But at the same time, this eight, nine matchup, if they haven't kind of read the ship could be very interesting. Ole Miss really good defensive team took South Carolina to overtime this year, a team that could definitely pull off that upset. And Gonzaga is also a very good team. They're kind of fresh off a loss. So probably going to be a little motivated in that that first round and they could be a team to pull off an upset too. I think they've, they'd be Louisville earlier this year. It's got a couple other good wins. So either of those teams, I think in a matchup with Stanford could be trouble. Old Miss, which I have them losing in the first round. I don't think they can score enough. Madison Scott, their best player averages 14 a game, but she's a post player. She didn't do whole lot of anything in either game against South Carolina. At least she did in the second half of the blowout in the SEC semis, but I don't think they can score enough to to beat Stanford Gonzaga. They have a couple of players who can get buckets. Yvonne Ejim, Kalen Trong. I have Stanford into the... We'll talk our, our selections for Seattle 4 in a second. I do have Stanford into the Elite 8 because I think they can figure it out enough to at least get to the second weekend. Texas, that'd be an interesting Sweet 16 matchup. I think ultimately, though, I feel terrible about this. I do not feel confident in this whatsoever. I have Stanford beating Iowa in the Elite Eight. That's what I have too, and I hate it. <laughs> I just I feel zero confidence about any of those teams. Like you could, we could get there, and it could be like Middle Tennessee in the Final Four, and I'd be like, okay, <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't really surprise me that much. This region is just, I don't know, it's a mess. 
<laughs> that's that's a good way of putting it. So your final four is South Carolina, Villanova, UConn, and Stanford. Yep. Okay. We have I have South Carolina, Stanford, UConn, and I have Indiana. So three one seeds and a two. You have a couple of ones, a two, and a four. They went crazy, Megan. Picked a four seed. <laughs> I like it. So I the last couple of weeks, because I apparently have too much time in my hands. I have a very liberal path to teams that can make the final four purely by numbers. This has nothing to do with the eye test. This is nothing to do with if I actually think this team is good. Went back 20 years. I looked at scoring offense, scoring defense, rebound margin, and the seeding of every final four team. And we're going to trim down who can make the final four. And I'm going to piss off some fans, mostly in a very corn-based city or state <laughs> that is near Wisconsin and Indiana, and you can guess who. We already got a mention last week that they're keeping receipts. Keep this receipt, Iowa fans, because you're not going to like the next few minutes. So the median, I went with median here, because again, the very top 1%, bottom 1% can skew an average. The median Final Four team in the last 20 years, obviously excluding 2020, they score 76.5 points a game. They allow 56 and a half points per game. They have a plus eight rebound margin. All of these are top 25 nationally. That's just your median team. You can be a little better. You can be a little worse. It's purely numbers based. Some of these teams, I don't think actually have a shot to make it. So we're going to trim it. We have 68 teams. No team seated lower than seventh has made a final four since 98. Arkansas made it as a nine. Missouri State made it in the early 90s as an eight. So if you're seated eighth or worth, worse, sorry, Middle Tennessee, you're not making a run. That knocks out 40 teams. we got 28 left. The very baseline that you need to score to make a Final Four is 66 points a game. Duke, see ya. 27 teams. Same number. You need to allow fewer than 66 points a game to make a Final Four. The worst scoring defense to make a Final Four. Oh, I should have had this in front of me. It's either the Notre Dame team that won in 2018 or Christy Tolliver's Maryland team. Pulling it up right now. That's the wrong doc. I'm not going to pull it up. It's one of those two teams. They only allow, they allowed 66 points, and they're the worst Final Four teams in the last 20 years. So if you allow more than that, goodbye. So Tennessee, Ohio State, Maryland, Iowa, Oklahoma, Florida State, you're not making the Final Four based on his, historical numbers. So that leaves us 21 teams can make a Final Four. Need a rebound margin of at least plus three. So Washington State, Villanova, North Carolina, Arizona, Maryland and Ohio State, you failed again. Goodbye. That leaves us 17 teams on a very liberal numbers-based scale can make a Final Four. That's it. If you're narrowing that down further, no team seated fourth or worse has ever won a national title. That knocks out UCLA, Creighton. What's Texas seated? Texas, Colorado, Michigan, NC State, Iowa State, and Baylor. They're all gone. Eight teams can win a national title, folks. If you picked one of these, anyone outside of these eight, you're wrong. South Carolina, Notre Dame, Stanford, Iowa, or excuse me, Indiana, not Iowa. Indiana, LSU, Utah, Virginia Tech, UConn. Those are your eight national champions. Done. <laughs> numbers. That's not me numbers. talking. That's numbers. <laughs> I don't think Colorado can make a Final Four. The numbers say they got a shot. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Colorado's making a Final Four. That would be wild. 
But that, I would be less surprised if Middle Tennessee made the Final Four than if Colorado did. Yes, but <laughs> that I think it's who gets knocked out just by numbers. Iowa, they give up over 70 points a game. That is, it's not just close to being historically an anomaly. That's like miles away. That's five, six points a game away from being a historical anomaly. Same with Maryland. With some of these teams that we think are amongst the best in the country, they are. But just numbers, history says that that path to the Final Four is not as easy as, as people think. Yeah, I think we see this in particular. I think we're mentioning a lot of Big Ten teams. And I feel like we see this with the Big Ten like every year where they just underperform in March. And I think a lot of it is like the defense in that conference. I think Indiana has a good shot and I think they're pretty solid defensively, but the rest of the big 10, you've got a lot of high scoring offenses, but not a lot of great defenses in that conference. And then they get to March and they have to play teams that are good defensively and good rebounding and they come up short and pretty sure there hasn't been a big 10 team in the final four. And I don't know the number of years, but it's a long time. Yeah. Since um, standby. I'm going to pull up this document that I should have pulled up five minutes ago. I <laughs> but, and again, I'll bring up, don't let the conference tournament influence your results because right. Iowa won the big 10 last year. They look great. They got bounced they in the round of 32. <laughs> Maryland won the event in 2021, got bounced in the sweet 16. Iowa won this event in 2019 with Megan Gustafson, got bounced in the round of 32. In fact, Ohio State won it in 20. Three of the last four Big Ten champions have not made it to the second weekend of the tournament. Uh, last Big Ten team to make a Final Four, Maryland, did it in 2015. So there you go. Now, the Big Ten, I think, is better at the top than it was. <laughs> it used to be a lot of teams ranked, what, 10th through 25th. And there's still a lot of teams ranked 10th through 25th, but now they have that breakthrough of Indiana's ranked second. I was a two seed. Maryland's a two seed, so a little better at the top. That's 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 my scientific formula. Sorry if it annoys yeah. you. It's not me. It's just numbers. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. Get mad at numbers and get mad at history. Um, Megan, we will talk more in depth next week about the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. But we can we can talk about it now. We have our final four. Who do you have beyond that? Who's who's winning the national championship over whom? I have South Carolina and UConn in the national championship. And then I have UConn winning it all, which is a hot take, I know, and I'm probably going to get some hate from the South Carolina crowd for this. But I do think if you look at that regular season matchup, the one thing UConn really didn't do well in that game was shoot from three. And now with AZ FUD back, I think that's going to be a lot easier for them to not have a great night from three because we talked about how South Carolina's defense on the perimeter is really good. But now that you have AZ FUD and Lugo Lopez Senechal both out there, South Carolina is not going to be able to entirely shut both of those options down on the perimeter. And that just might be enough for them to kind of be able to finish it off this time. Interesting. AZ is obviously a different equation than most, but I think when you're playing the, who a team that is clearly the number one team in the country and you have them on the ropes, you got You got to take advantage the first time. Cause I don't think it comes around again. Like look at Marquette. They did get UConn the one time. <laughs> Very much did not get them in the Big East semifinals. Heck, South Carolina went to overtime against Ole Miss. Rebels had them right there. Couldn't provide the knockout punch. Got blown out in the SEC semis a few weeks later. So round two, 
AZ is a, a different conversation, but uh, I think I think South Carolina is ultimately the national champ. I think we'll be talking about where this team will rank in the all-time annals of women's college basketball here um, in three weeks' time, and I think they'll beat Indiana in the national championship game. So that's all still to come. Congrats, Megan. You and I both filled out perfect brackets. It's never <laughs> been done, but we both did it. Uh, so again, next week, we'll come to you in the midweek. Once again, we'll talk to our men's basketball folks. We'll talk to our, our baseball folks. And before we wrap up, one final thing. I want to thank everyone for listening. We've only been going at this for a couple of months. We've almost doubled our listener listenership in the last couple of months. So thanks to everyone for downloading, rating, subscribing, all that. Um, and we're going to keep it going. So Megan, enjoy the fun this weekend. Yeah, well, there are men's games too. So like this is conference tournament week. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, times like a billion crammed into like 48 hours. So how do you watch? Do you care at all about the men? Do you not care at all about the men? Take I care me specifically. Fr- take me through Friday, Saturday in particular. Yeah. yeah, I care specifically about the UConn men who do play Friday. So I will watch that game. I'll watch other men's games if, like have them on in the background, but I won't be as invested in it. Um, Friday, Saturday, though, Friday, I will be here. So I'll be watching as much as I can on multiple screens and watching from home. Saturday, I'll be up in stores, which will be fun. But the only the downside of that is you can't watch all the games when you're also at games. So we'll try to watch as much as possible, but it'll be a little bit more difficult. Are you snowed in? I mean, I know I know it's what's Tuesday. So you got till Saturday to get unsnowed in. Yeah. So I don't, I feel like maybe I just got lucky because I just saw on the news that like they're saying my town has 10 inches of snow. I If I have two inches of snow right now, that's a lot. There's not much up there at all. Cool. Well then take out, do you have a snowblower? No, I have, I live in a condo, so I don't actually have to do anything. They do it for us. <laughs> I had to shovel until the day I left for college. And then I get a text from my parents that said, Hey, we got a snowblower. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it. Follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. I'm at R underscore Joyce 34. Everyone, we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the first two rounds. We'll break down. We'll have 16 teams standing in one week from now. So enjoy it.